A while ago, I was talking about how I miss holidays. I miss lying on the beach or by the pool. I miss traveling, but I don't miss airports. And I was talking, I think, a little bit about the, the, the first part of the airport, that check-in part where uh, you always arrive and you think you're early enough that there's not going to be a queue, but there's always a queue and you, you're herded like cattle like this and, uh, and you put your bags on and then they go through and then there's the next bit, which is security and... I have never been to security that there hasn't been a massive queue, and that is, for me, the most stressful part of it. I just don't enjoy that at all. And you're queuing up in the zigzag pattern to go through security, and you know that the family in front of you are going to use all the plastic trays because there's always a shortage of plastic trays. Have you found that just when you get there, those grey plastic trays that you put your your your, ba- your hand luggage in and you have to take your laptop out and your tablet and put in different... And the family in front of you always seem to use them all and you're standing waiting and then go, they go through the metal detector but they, they, they're still wearing more jewellery than B.A. Baracus and, and so they have to go through it again. And once you get through there, I can kind of relax a bit. You know, you go through duty-free and Becky picks up a couple of bottles there and it is stop that. That joke is a joke. Becky doesn't even drink. Um, and uh, we go through duty free and, and, and I, you can relax a little bit and then there's more queuing when you're getting onto the plane. You're, unless uh, you want to pay that extra fiver to get uh, a little bit faster and walk past all the poor people. But, uh, but there's, that, there's that, you know, you're getting onto the plane and there's more queuing because there's always that one person ahead of you whose hand luggage is too big for the overhead compartment. Yeah, some of you know I'm talking about. That person who stands in the aisle for 14 minutes, trying to push, completely oblivious to everybody else, trying to get on to the plane. And then you get on it, and you take your seat. And let me do a little survey here. How many of you are aisle seat people? Come on, put your, I know you don't put your hands up for your own worship, but at least do it now, okay? Aisle seat people out there, yeah? Aisle seats. How many of you are window seat people? Wow. See him in the first service. I'm kind of shocked by that. You like looking out the window. You like to see where you are. Many of you are middle seat people. No, there's never a middle seat person. That's, that's the unlucky seat, isn't it? That's the seat where you sit like this the entire flight, just going, Lord, return. Um, especially, you know, you have two, especially if you're on your own, you have two big sweaty people on either side. It's not, it's not pleasant. Um, I, I'm an aisle seat person. I'm a little claustrophobic. So I always, 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 Get an aisle seat. And then there's always that, street, uh, that little awkward situation where I'm in my aisle seat and the person will come in and, and they'll look at their ticket, they'll look at your seat and they'll go, you don't mind if we swap, do you? I have a window seat or a middle seat. You don't mind if we swap? As if it's no big deal. And my answer, I know that you would expect more from me. Well, probably at this stage, some of you have been around for a while might not expect more from me. I just go, actually, no. I, I know I'm not swapping. Um, I'm claustrophobic. I'll, I'll tell them if any ailment at that point. I don't really care what it is. Um, I, I'm not swapping. And they'll come up with some lame, ridiculous excuse. Like, my family are at the other side and I want to sit near them. I don't care. <laughs> I actually don't care. Like, if you really wanted to sit that close to them, you'd have checked in two weeks ago when the check-in opened online and you'd have got an aisle seat. But I've got an aisle seat and I would rather give up one of my kidneys than give you an aisle seat right now. So move along, okay? Move along. And that can make for an awkward flight because then they're sitting too down from you for the rest of it. Uh, I'm a real joy to travel with, uh, as you can imagine. But then, you know, you're, you're in the air and by that stage I'm pretty good, I'm pretty relaxed. Apart from the family, 
with the four kids under four behind us. There's always one of those, isn't there? There's always that family behind you that has, they've just had three too many children in the last three years. That's why we had this one child policy in our house. We had a Chinese policy, one child. And, uh, but even, I mean, it's not that I don't have sympathy for them. When Elijah was, when Elijah was 10 months old, we thought it'd be a really good idea to bring him to California, which is an 11 hour flight. And he was actually fine on the way there because we sedated him. But on the way back, we, <laughs> on the way back, um, if this is your first time here, uh, the, Craig, the pastor, will be here next week. Um, but uh, no, on the way back, he just kicked off. He just, and he cried for 10 hours. I mean, when I say cry, he screamed for 10 hours solid to the point where people around us actually started moving. Like literally, literally, we had this like circle of empty seats around us because people just couldn't. Even the, even the Aer Lingus stewardesses were like getting really annoyed with us. Like, and uh, Becky was getting annoyed with them and it was just this drama going on. But, but so I understand. And then, and then you get, you know, those, some of you like to look at the little map, you know, on the little screen in front of you and just to see where you are. And there's that little dotted line and you can see I'm, I'm right there. And they've told you you're going to be arriving at 5.40 and you look at your watch and it's 5.38 and you're like, yes, I'm right. I'm right at my destination. But then five minutes later, you're still there. And 10 minutes later, you're still there. And 15 minutes later, the pilot comes on and he makes an announcement. Ladies and gentlemen, just to let you know that we are over Palma Airport, but unfortunately, we will not be able to land because we are in a holding pattern. And uh, it's normally for some sort of reason, like there's uh, bad weather on the ground, there's strong winds, or or, or there's a a backup and we're waiting on some planes to move, or we don't have the stairs or the, the thing for you to get off the flight, or technical issues, which on a plane can mean... Anything from the engine isn't working to Sheila, the stewardess, forgot to put on makeup that day. I mean, technical issues covers a broad spectrum of things. And you find yourself in this holding pattern. You're at your destination, but you're not there. You're so close, but you're not there. And you're going around in circles and you're killing time. And you know that you're right there, but you're not there yet. You're ready to land, but you're not there yet. And I think... Right now, many people find themselves in a holding pattern. There's many of us who feel like life just is going around in circles. There's many of us who feel like we're moving and we're doing activity, but we're not advancing and we're not progressing anywhere. We, we know that there's something ahead of us, but we're just going around in circles and it feels mundane and it feels uh, monotonous. It feels a little bit like Groundhog Day, and you're not going backwards. It's not like you're, you're going backwards. You're just not going forwards. I think many of us feel like that at the minute. I talk to a lot of people from here in different churches, and they'll say the same, and even church leaders, it feels like Groundhog Day. And part of it is the situation we're in around us with the, the wider issue at the minute, but sometimes it just feels like we're, we're just going around in circles, but we're not making any headway or progress. There's not a lot of vision or enthusiasm. You feel stuck and you feel stagnant. Maybe a holding pattern can happen when you're praying and you're giving God your best prayers, but you're not seeing any answers to your prayers. You're praying for a new job, but you're stuck where you are. You're crying out for healing, but the pain and disease is still in your body. It feels like nothing is shifting, nothing is changing. You're just in a holding pattern. You're going round and round in circles. And it's frustration because you want to get to your destination already. 
You want to meet that person you're going to marry. You want to have that positive pregnancy test. You want to have that test come back from the hospital negative. You want that broken relationship to be restored and reconciled. You want to overcome that habit or addiction that's destroying you. But nothing's happening and you're going around in circles. And you feel stuck. And right now you're in a holding pattern. And maybe you're not going backwards, but you're not going forwards. You're just going round and round. And what I want to ask today is, what is God possibly doing when you're in that holding pattern? Like I said, this isn't for all of you, but this is for some of you. Because some of you can already connect with what I'm saying because you feel like life has just got to be mundane. You feel like you're stuck. You feel like you're going around in circles. You feel like you're ready for something new, but something new isn't happening right now. We sang a minute ago, even when I can't see it, you're working. But what is God working What is he doing in the holding pattern? I want to say four things, and the first one's the longest, so take comfort when I'm done with that. Okay, the first one's the longest. In the holding pattern, number one, God is preparing you. In the holding pattern, God is preparing you. I want to look at David a little bit and a few other things this morning, but let's say, let's look at 1 Samuel 23. David stayed in the wilderness strongholds and in the hills of the desert of Ziph. Day after day, Saul searched for him, but God did not give David into his hands. Saul was going along one side of the mountain, and David and his men were on the other side, hurrying to get away from Saul. So we have this picture of David in the wilderness. David has been anointed king. We all know the story, shepherd boy brought in from the field. Prophet Samuel anoints him to be the next king of Israel. He goes out and fights the giant Goliath, cuts off his head, and overnight he becomes a well-known person. They're singing songs about him in the street. It feels like he's right there. It feels like his things are moving very fast towards his destiny. He's been anointed king, and all of this happens, and it feels like God is accelerating everything. But then David runs into a holding pattern. And this holding pattern actually lasts for 15 years you see, David, the scholars think, was anointed by Samuel when he was about 13, 14, 15 years old. But we're told actually in Second Samuel that he doesn't become the king of Israel until he's 30. That's 15 years of a holding pattern, 15 years of waiting, 15 years of preparation. And that's what God was doing in his life. God was preparing him. The holding pattern is where God prepares us for what he has prepared for us. God develops us, he matures us, he grows us, and that's what he was doing with David. At 15, David might have been anointed, but he wasn't ready. I mean, what 15-year-old boy is ready to be king? He needed to mature, he needed to develop, he needed to grow, he needed, uh, he needed something shaped in his character. There were skills he needed to learn. He needed to be prepared for what God had prepared for him. He would face challenges that would mature him. He would need space to grow. He would have obstacles and opposition that would stretch him, and he would learn to depend on God. He needed to develop leadership skills, because it's one thing to lead sheep. It's another thing to lead a nation, and so there needed to be stages And God took him through stages over those 15 years. And I believe what God would say to some of you is don't waste the stages. You see, we want to get from A to Z and God wants to take us from A to B and B to C and C to D. 
And we're frustrated because we just want to get to Z, but God says, don't waste the stages. And so instead of looking after sheep, God wanted to develop his leadership skills to looking after people. And so look at what we read in 1 Samuel 22. David left Gath and escaped to the cave of Adullam. When his brothers and his father's household heard about it, they went down to him there. All those who were in distress or in debt or discontented gathered around him and he became their commander. About 400 men were with him. David goes and he hides in a cave from Saul. A cave is a constricted place. It's a contained place. It's a dark place. And the holding pattern can feel like that. It can feel like you're contained. It can feel like a dark place. It can feel like you're constricted. It feels like you have so much more in you, but it's not coming out. And David is in this cave, and somehow not only do his family find him, but 400 men find him. And what a bunch of men they were. Look at what it says about him, about them. There were 400 men who were in distress, in debt, or discontented. Sounds like a lot of churches I know. In distress, in debt, or discontented. And David became their commander. He became their leader. For some reason, God sent these 400 men to David. And David became their leader so that David could be prepared to lead a nation. Because if you can lead 400 men who are in distress and discontent or in debt, you can lead a nation. And do you know what these 400 men later are called? Not distressed, not in debt, not discontented. They're called David's mighty men. David took this ragtag bunch of misfits and he molded them and he shaped them and he led them to become great warriors and leaders. And through that process, God not only developed them, but he developed David into a leader who could lead a nation. At the time, David probably had no idea what God was doing. He was just being faithful with what God put in front of him. And that is the key and that is the secret to going out of the holding pattern is to be faithful with what God has put in front of you. Don't get so focused on Z that you don't do B and C. Don't get so focused on the future that you don't be faithful with what God has put in front of you right now. And for 15 years, God prepares David behind the scenes in obscurity. And I'm sure during those 15 years, David thought he was ready. When he was 20, he might not have been ready at 15, but what about when he was 20? What about when he was 25? And yet God knew there was still more preparation to go. He still had maturing. He still had change. He still had to develop. And we see this throughout Scripture. We see it with Joseph. Joseph had the dreams at 17. The dreams that his father and his brothers would bow down to him. And yet it was 13 more years before he would actually see the fulfillment of those dreams. And in those 13 years, he would go to the pit and he would go to the prison before he would go to the palace. We see it with Moses, who's called to deliver his people from Egypt. 40 years in the wilderness and then he does it. We even see it in the life of Jesus. I mean, we're we're coming into Christmas and we celebrate the birth of Jesus. And, And the Bible talks about the birth of Jesus. And then with this one incident, when he's 12, remember, when he goes to the temple and he stays behind his parents, forget about him. And then we don't hear about him for another 18 years till he's 30. 18 years of obscurity. 18 years of preparation. I I was thinking about this, and I don't mean to be, but like Jesus started his ministry at 30 and he had three years of ministry. If he had started at 25, he could have got a lot more done. Like think of all the healings he could have done, all the miracles he could have done. 
But God knew that 30 was the right time. And Jesus, when he came to the end of his ministry, you know what he was able to say to the Father? Father, I've done everything you've given me to do. Because when you're prepared, God puts everything within you to do everything that he gives you to do in the time that he gives you to do it. God will take as long as it takes to prepare you for what he has for you. Because if you're not developed in the way he needs you to be developed, once you get to the next stage, the weight of that responsibility will crush you. The weight of what he has next for you will be too much for you. And you won't have the external strength or the internal capacity to carry what he has for you. Occasionally in the gym, it's happened once or twice over the years, I'll see some guy and he's normally about 16, 17 and he's often there with his girlfriend and he's trying to impress her and he's lying on the, the bench where you do bench presses and he's lying there with this bar on his chest that he can't get off. And it's suffocating him. And what happens is he's been trying to impress her and he thought he could lift more than he could lift and he was able to lift it a little bit and then gravity took care of the rest. And now he's stuck and he's been crushed because he hasn't developed slowly the muscles to be able to lift that weight. And as you go on in life, whatever the next stage is for you in your work, in your family, in some organization, in some place of responsibility, responsibility carries more weight. The more responsibility you have, the more weight you carry. And if you are not prepared, if you haven't built up the spiritual muscles, if you haven't built up the skills, if you haven't been prepared properly, the weight of that will crush you. And so God prepares you for what he has prepared for you. This has happened in my own life at different times. I think of when I was first ordained and went to Shankill Parish in Lurgan just up the road. I was what they call a curate or an assistant minister there. And a curate typically stays for two and a half years. And after two and a half years, I thought I was ready for the next thing. I really did. It was a big parish and I'd spent a year and a half looking after it while the, the, the senior minister, we got a new senior minister. And so um, I, I felt at the end of two and a half, three years, I was ready. And for the next two years, I was still there. And I ended up being there five years, which is twice as long as I was meant to be there, and as I'd planned to be there. And in those five years, I can tell you I was frustrated, particularly the last two. In those last two years, I was struggling. In those last two years, I remember at different times crying out to God, God, have you forgotten about me? God, I'm still here. Have you forgotten about me? But I look back now and I realize that every single thing that God has done in my life wouldn't have happened if it hadn't been for those two years. You see, we live forward and we see God's hand as we look backwards. We live forward, but it's only as we look backwards that we see. And do you know what happened in those two years? Well, one night early on in those two years, my friend brought a girl to hear me preach called Becky Fletcher. And a year later, we were married. In those two years, God brought us both into a renewal of the Holy Spirit. In those two years, God opened up the next church that we were going to go to, which prepared the way for the next church, which prepared the way for us to come here. And I look back now, and every single thing that God has done in my life that has been significant would not have happened if I hadn't had those two years of frustration and waiting 
and preparation. It doesn't make it easier when you're in it. But I want to say to you, if you're in that place of waiting right now, and Advent is a season of waiting, if you're in that place of waiting and you think you're ready and you're frustrated because God isn't opening the next door, I want you to understand that one day you will look back and you will see that God has been working in the waiting. The waiting isn't wasted. He is preparing you for what he has prepared for you. And that ties in with my next point. And the first reason we're in a holding pattern is God is preparing us, just following on from that. In a holding pattern, God is pruning you. See, the preparation is a lot about what God adds to our life, what God builds to our life, what God develops in our life, what God matures in our life. That's an addition thing. But sometimes the preparation isn't so much what God adds, it's what he wants to take away. Because there are things in our lives right now that are hindering us from getting to where we need to be. In John 15, Jesus says this to the disciples. He says, I am the true vine and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit. Well, every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. God's desire for your life is that your life would be fruitful, that it would bear fruit, that it would make an impact, that it would influence, that you would actually change the situation and the culture and the office and the community around you. And part of that involves pruning according to Jesus. And pruning is painful. And pruning can feel like spiritual surgery. But here's the thing about pruning. It is for your good and it is for your future fruitfulness. And I don't like that. But there are some times when I'm frustrated with God because I'm not getting to where I think he wants me to be. And God would say to you, it's not that I am stopping you. It's that you're holding on to something that's keeping you here. That you are holding on to some sin in your life that's keeping you stuck. Some habit in your life that's hindering you. And the problem isn't me. I'm ready for you here. The problem is you, that you are tethered to something that's keeping you here. A relationship, a job, some habit, some cycle in your life. And it's actually, I'm not going to move you forward until you let go of that. Because if you take that into the future with you, it will do you damage and it will do the people around you damage. And until you release that, until you're willing to relinquish that, I can't take you into the place I have for you. Because it will not be good for you. We were coming back from Lanzarote once and the bag went through the x-ray machine, my hand luggage, and they, as very often happens, they said, can we have a look inside it? And I thought, fine, there's nothing there. Um, and they're hoking and hoking, and this was taking longer than usual, and and uh, I could see them pointing at the screen, you know, the way, the, the, the x-ray screen, and they were trying to find something, and they pulled out this huge pen knife that I, I mean, like it was the largest legal pen knife you can have in the UK, and some of you are like, why were you carrying this? Elijah, Elijah and I like going and sharpening sticks and stuff like that, that's all, else. you know, there's nothing, I mean, he was six at the time, there's nothing like a six-year-old with a sharp knife, um, but, uh, but, but I had, we'd been sharpening sticks, I'd must have had, and I'd put them in a bag, and <laughs> the funny thing is, I'd got through Belfast to Lanzarote, and they hadn't noticed it but on the way back and they took this huge pen knife out and he held it up and he was laughing he was like smiling and he went I'm going to have to take that now in that moment I had a choice I could relinquish that and move on with my journey 
Or I could say, actually, I'm holding on to that. That's mine. And if I'd have held on to it, I'd have stayed exactly where I was. And there's things in our lives that God would say, you can relinquish that and I will move you forward. Or if you hold on to that, you will stay stuck exactly where you are. You are waiting on God when God is actually waiting on you. So the first thing God is doing in the holding pattern, he's preparing us. The second thing is he's pruning us. And the third thing is that he's preparing the place where we're going. He's preparing the place where we're going. Because when you're in a holding pattern in an airplane, you have a very limited view. You have a very limited perspective. You can't see what's going on on the ground. The people in the air traffic control tower, they can see the weather. They can see the planes that need to move. They can see the queue. They can see all the things that need to happen for you to be able to land safely. But your perspective is so limited. And it's exactly the same when we find ourselves in a holding pattern in life. We think we're ready. We just want to land. We just want to get to the destination. But God sees the bigger picture. God sees the things on the ground that need to change. God sees the pieces that need to move. God sees the people that need to be put in place. And you might be ready for the destination, but the destination might not be ready for you. In David's life, the holding pattern was a time of not just getting him ready, but getting the nation ready for him to step into the kingship that God had anointed him to. Because there was a problem that David might have been anointed king, but Saul was still appointed king. Saul, even though the Holy Spirit had lifted off him, he was reluctant to let go of kingship. And so what God would have to do is to have, he would have to deal with Saul and get Saul out of the picture before David could step into it. He would have to prepare the people to receive David. David was still a bit of a nobody. Over those 15 years, the people would have to get to know David as a leader, as a warrior, as someone they could trust, so that when he stepped up, they would all say, we want you to be our king, which is actually what happened at the end of the 15 years. Israel and Judah both said, we want you to be our leader. But that couldn't have happened unless things on the ground had been prepared so that when David got there, the ground was ready. And I found the same in our own lives, in our own holding patterns. God uses them to prepare us. God uses them to prune us. But he also uses the holding pattern to prepare the place where we are going. To prepare the people involved, the circumstances, the environment, the situation that we're going to step into. Because right now, we might be ready for it, but it's not ready for us. Isaiah 46.10 says this, I make known the end from the beginning. God is already out there. He is in the future. He knows the end. And he makes it known to get you there. Revelation 22, I'm the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. Again, God sees the big picture. Isaiah 55, 9, my ways are higher than your ways and my thoughts are greater than your thoughts. Our view is so small. Our perspective is so limited. We see the now. We see where we are in this moment. And God sees the big picture. And he says, you might be ready, but that's not ready for you. And therefore, I have things I need to move to get it ready so that when you get there. And it could be a job. Some of you maybe have a job that you would love. 
or a promotion within your own job that you would love. And you are ready, but it's not ready for you because there's somebody already in that job. And what God would say to you is, watch what I do. If that job is for you, I am going to move that person into another role, so I'm going to free up that role for you. You might be ready for it, but I need to get it ready for you. A number of years ago, a friend of mine was involved in leading worship in a church. And he was frustrated because the guy who was on staff leading worship wasn't doing a good job. My friend had this heart, this desire. He felt this call from God to lead worship. And he felt like he, and he was just, and I said, you need to honor the leader over you because if you don't do that, God won't put you there. But if you can honor him and if you can wait for God's timing and if you believe that God has called you to that, and he did. And he honored that leader and he stayed faithful to that leader. And six months later, that leader resigned and my friend is still the worship pastor there. God had called him and he was ready. God just needed to prepare the place for him. Could be a relationship. You're frustrated with being single and you are ready to meet your husband or wife. You have been ready for 21 years to meet your husband or wife. But can I say to you, maybe your husband or wife is not ready to meet you yet. Maybe they're out there and maybe God already knows who they are, but he knows that there are things in their life that he needs to change to get ready so that when you two meet, you're ready for each other. Maybe their circumstances are complicated right now. Maybe they're dating somebody else. And so even though you're ready to meet them, maybe they're not ready to meet you. And so God is strategically synchronizing and carefully choreographing all of it. So that when you arrive at the right time, in the right place, with the right conditions and the right circumstances and the right people, it all falls into place. He's getting it ready. So that when you get there, it's ready for you. He's going before you. Look at what it says in Deuteronomy. The Lord himself goes before you. He says in Isaiah 45, I myself will prepare your way. I will level mountains and hills. I will break down bronze gates and smash their iron bars. In other words, the obstacles that are standing in your way, the things that would hinder you getting there, I am clearing those away so that you have a free passage. And look at what he says in Proverbs 3, 6. In all your ways, submit to him and he will make your paths straight. If you will surrender, if you will submit to the pruning process and the preparation process and the process that God is doing to get that place ready, if you will submit in humility, he will make your path straight. And so the holding pattern is a time of preparation for you and for the place you're going. It's a time of pruning. And lastly, the holding pattern is a time when God is protecting you. The holding pattern is a time when God is protecting you. And again, this ties in with the last point a little bit. Sometimes God will put you in a holding pattern to protect you. Remember a number of years ago, I was really frustrated. I was in a hurry to get somewhere and there was a traffic jam and the traffic was moving really slowly. And I knew I was going to be late for my meeting and I'm sitting in the motorway in the traffic and it's going nowhere. And 10 minutes, 15 minutes, 20 minutes. And then as I get on ahead, I see flashing blue lights. And there had been a, a major accident. A lorry had jackknifed it. It hit a car. It was a bad accident. And in those moments, I felt God say this. It's just as well you weren't any quicker than you were. Because that could have been you. You see, sometimes we think God is holding us back 
when he's actually protecting us. We think he's punishing us, but he's protecting us because he sees what's ahead and he sees that if we get there too quickly, it will actually do us more harm than good. And so he holds us back not to punish us, but to protect us. He slows us down to, to, to keep us from doing something that wouldn't help us to get into what he has for us. That's what we see with David in the verses we read earlier. First Samuel twenty three seventeen. David stayed in the wilderness strongholds and in the hills of the desert of Ziph. Day after day Saul searched for him, but God did not give David into his hands. See, David had been anointed king. Saul was appointed king, and Saul was not determined, was determined not to let David get to the throne. And for fifteen years almost Saul hunted David down like a fugitive. And so for 15 years, as well as preparing him, and as well as pruning him, and as well as preparing the place he had for him, God needed to protect David. And so he puts him in the wilderness. He puts him in obscurity. He puts him in isolation. He puts him away from the crowds. He brings him into the the private place to develop him, because God often develops us in private before he brings us into the public sphere. And behind the scenes, God is protecting him. And it's frustrating for David because David knows he's anointed. He's had the oil poured on his head. And 15 years later, it's not happening. But God is cocooning him. God is camouflaging him. Because if Saul gets to him, nothing's going to happen because Saul will kill him. And God wants to protect him. And we need to understand that sometimes God will put us in a holding pattern to protect us. And it can feel like he's punishing us but he's actually just protecting us. You see, the thing about a holding pattern is this. He's holding us. We're in his hands. He's holding us until the time is right. And he's protecting us. You know, I, I always thought I'd be married by 27. The whole way through my 20s, and even probably from us around 18, I thought I'd be married by 27. And 27 came and went, and 28 and 29 and 30 and 31 and 32. I've talked about this before about all my friends getting married and all the weddings that they go to and that awkward table that they put you at when you're single with like the kids and Aunt Thelma who's been married four times and she's 72 and they think you might just have a wee bit of chemistry with her over, 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 over the chicken. And, uh, and just that awkward time of, of watching your friends get married, some of them starting to have kids. And then I was actually 33 when I met Becky. And can I say to you now that if I had met Becky when I was 27, we would have broken up by the time I was 27 and a quarter. And she would tell you exactly the same. Because six years before, when I thought I was ready, I wasn't ready. And neither was she. And those six years were a time when God was protecting us. And he was preparing us. And he was pruning us. But he was preserving us so that when we met each other, we were ready and then we were married within a year. I am so glad I didn't meet her earlier. I would have made such a mess of it. And sometimes God is keeping you from something not to punish you, but to protect you because he knows that when the time is right, it will go quickly and you need to be protected until the door opens. I was thinking about Hannah, not Hannah who works here. Hannah in the Bible who was praying for a child. And God wanted her to have a child. But more than that, God wanted her to have a prophet 
to a nation. You see, all she could think about was her own life and her own desire for a child. And God was like, I want to give you a child, but my picture and my plan is bigger than just giving you a baby. I want to give you a prophet to the nation. And if God had given her a child when she first wanted a child, it would have been too early for him to anoint Saul and to anoint David. And so God was protecting her. It didn't feel like it, but God was protecting her till the right time. So we had a child that was no ordinary child. Because if God had given her a child when she wanted it, we would never have heard of Hannah or Samuel. We would never have heard of them. But God had bigger plans for her than just giving her a baby. He was giving her a prophet who would play a pivotal role in the life of Israel. And we get so focused on our own little lives and our own desires and our, this moment and what I want now. And we kind of just we never kind of grow out of that selfishness as kids. Where I want it and I want it now and I don't want to wait because we're not born with patience. And God is saying, I want to give it to you, but it's bigger than just you. You think this is just about your little life and your little job and your little family and your little paycheck? This is so much bigger than you. I have plans and purposes that involve you, but they're bigger than you. And that is why I'm protecting you so that when the time is right, you are ready and I can release all I have for you. It's not punishment, it's protection. It's because he is so, like, our, our vision sometimes for our own lives is so small. And God is saying, I'm not just giving you a baby, I'm giving you something so much bigger than that. And God would say to some of us today, see the bigger picture. I am preparing you. And I am pruning you. And I am preparing the place for you. And I am protecting you. But it is so much bigger than just your life right now. Oh, how this nation needs Christians who are more focused than just on themselves right now. How this nation needs Christians who are willing to stand up in a culture that is going downhill rapidly and start believing that actually their life matters more than just their own comfort or convenience. It needs men and women who believe that there's a God in heaven who is sovereign and who wants to use them powerfully to change a nation, not just to change your own job or your own circumstance. And here's what I've discovered as I finish. God will put you in a holding pattern to prepare you and to prepare the place he has for you and to prune you and to protect you. But the thing about a holding pattern is this, it comes to an end. A plane doesn't stay in a holding pattern for three months. It lands. And some of you, I believe, have been in a holding pattern for a while. And I want to say to you today that I believe that the Lord wants to take you out of the holding pattern. And when he does, you'll have been there for a long time and you've almost kind of got used to the holding pattern and you're not expecting anything to change. And God would say to you, it's going to change quickly. Some of you need to know the doors are going to open. Some of you are going to find that the people and the position is going to be in place. A number of years ago, I was in the States and I was with a friend of mine and we met for breakfast and afterwards we came out and there was a shiny new Tesla car there. Now, some of you will know what a Tesla is. And it was my friend's new Tesla and he threw me the keys. He said, do you want to drive it? I said, is it fast? He said, Craig, it's like a golf cart on steroids. I said, what do you mean? He said, find out. And I got in and it starts and at the start, it goes slowly, like a golf cart, and it goes, Bew! it starts slowly, and then it moves quickly. 
And I believe that's the word for some of you right now. Things have been slow. You've been in a holding pattern. God has been preparing you. God has been pruning you. God has been protecting you. But now it's time to move. It's time for the door to open. It's time for the position and work to open. It's time for that thing that you've been praying for that you're going to see the fulfillment of it. And when God moves, he moves quickly. In fact, it's going to be so quick for you that some of you are going to be like, I almost would prefer the holding pattern. Because I kind of got used to just going round and round. And I believe for some of you right now, God is saying, yes, you're in a holding pattern and there's more work to do. There's more pruning. But for some of you, it's like you're coming out of it. And I am going to move quickly and you're going to be astounded. You know, when we came here, it happened quickly. We left Dublin two years before that. No, a year and a half before that. And we were waiting and waiting for God to open up a door. Nothing was opening up. And the process in the Church of Ireland for going from one church to the next is a six-month process. The closing date of applications for this church was the 22nd of August, and I started on the 1st of October. For those of you who went to Clowna, that was five weeks. Five weeks. What should have been a six-month process, five weeks God did it. And you know when he did it? He had a house ready for us because the church didn't own a house at that stage. Our friends had just decided they were going to New Zealand for a year. They had somebody in P1, my friends, who was going to New Zealand, which created a space in P1 for Elijah. (laughs) Otherwise, he wouldn't have had a space in school. When it happened, it happened quickly and everything was in place. But at the time, it was frustrating waiting. And I want to say to you today that if you're in that place of waiting, don't waste the waiting. God is preparing you. God is pruning you. God is preparing the place for you and he's protecting you. But when the door opens, don't hang around. Let me pray for you. Let me pray for those of you watching online right now. And like I said at the start, I know this hasn't been a message for everyone. But I do believe it's a message for many of you. Many of you in the room here and many of you watching online because you are in a holding pattern. And I want to pray for you right now that you would understand that God is preparing you. And if he is pruning you, that you would release and relinquish those things that you need to let go of. That he would show you that clearly. That if there's things keeping you stuck where you are, that you would see that and you would let go of it. And that you would see that he is preparing the way ahead. He has gone ahead of you. And he is clearing the way so that when you get there, it's ready for you. And I want you to see that he's protecting you. That in the holding pattern, he is holding you. And some of you, you have no idea what God has protected you from. If you had went into that job six months ago, it would have been a mess. If you had went into that relationship, your heart would have been broken. And God has protected you from it. Because he is preparing something else for you. And so, Lord, I pray that you would help us to to understand what you're doing in our lives. That you would help us to cooperate, to submit and to surrender so that when you lead us forward, when you open the right door, when the things and the time and the people and the position and the place is right, we are ready to step into it. God, thank you that you are intentional, that you're strategic in how you work in our lives. That it's not just random. Our lives are not random. And God, help us to see our lives as being bigger than just us. That you have a plan and a purpose for us, not just in our own homes, in our own families, in our own jobs, but in our communities, in a wider sphere. 
that we would be people who demonstrate the kingdom of God in every place and every situation. So Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, would you take this message and bring it to fulfillment and fruition in our lives in these days. In Jesus' name, amen.